You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. And here's a man with a plan, leader of the band, buff and tanned, Dave, the killer bread man, doll. Very observant of you, Bob. Yes, that was Bob, Bob Miller, a famous Portland, Portland radio guy. Uh, retired now. Did you know that, lad? He's retired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to the Felony Inc. podcast, live from downtown Portland, Oregon, on a beautiful day in the great Pacific Northwest. I'm your host, Dave Dahl, a four-time loser who finally found a way to win. I replaced what was becoming a habit of incarceration with education, medication, and eventually an honest occupation. What, lad? That's pretty damn good. The, the, creation, the creation of Dave's Killer Brand, man. Woo-hoo, Dave's Killer Brand. Now, I am on a new mission to inspire and help others reach their own potential by overcoming limitations placed on them by the world and by themselves. On Felony Inc., our ultimate goal is to interview guests who have turned a corner in their own lives and are examples of personal transformation. Search Felony Inc. on your podcast app to hear previously recorded episodes of our podcast. With me in the studio today happen to be two co-hosts. Um, actually, yeah, you put the two of them together, it adds up to one. One and a half. One decent brain. <laughs> one and a quarter. <laughs> so I got Lad Justison. What's happening, Big D? And I got Mark Daly. David Israel. I heard good things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, did you, boy, did you listen no, to the old podcast? No, I didn't, but you oh, seem so here. excited to be here, Dave. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you, you what, it was, me. I'll tell you what, uh, David was our podcast, uh, was our 11th podcast, and um, he's an exceptional guest, and we're going to have a hard time fitting it all in in this short time, so you guys are going to have to shut the hell up. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> mama, mama, mama. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I'm going to... What have you been up to? What you well, you know what? To? First of all, um, I just want to let our listeners know here in uh, the greater PDX area mm-hmm. that the Killer Granddaddies are going to be performing in a bunch of different places. So, what mm-hmm. you need to do is go to the Killer Granddaddy website. I, I don't have all the details right now. We don't have right a website, now. dude. Yeah, we do. I mean, excuse me, Facebook. Yeah. And uh, check it out. Come see us. You know, come come listen to it. Should have a website. I want to buy a shirt. We're kind of uh, we're pretty we're pretty you know ramshackle. We don't we haven't really got our crap together yet. Not really. Yeah, we show up and play. That's it. So uh, okay, there's that, and then there's Mark. What's Mark been doing? Um, I've just running through this gauntlet of psychosis of life. Um, <laughs> I just let it hit off me. I'm just going to keep moving forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. Mark is a tattoo artist here in Portland, and um, that's uh, about all I can say about Mark. Anything, anything else I say about him is going to be painful. So, chew that. <laughs> all right, so we're going to move on. Uh, this this gentleman today, Mr. David Israel, is an exceptional guy. There's no question about it. I, this is a, I'm looking at a picture of him here. 
and he's definitely got a face for radio, that's for sure. So he came to the right place. <laughs> I'm just messing around there, buddy. Uh, he's the C- he's currently the CEO, AC, DCO, CEO, and a partner uh, in is that innovative branding, or is it because that doesn't make sense? Is that right? That's them. That's uh, somebody good else. Planet food. Good Planet Foods. There we go. Yeah, I, just, I, I knew, I knew that. Come so, on, Dave. Come on, lad. Don't be quit, afraid to make quit a feed me. A quit place. feed me with the wrong information, my bad, lad. My bad. I'll take it. Anyway, David has been a serial entrepreneur, and and, and like I said before, that's not uh, Fruit Loops or uh, Captain Crunch. Captain, Captain Crunch. Crunch. He's uh, just like a serial killer, but he's an entrepreneur. Right, and, serial entrepreneur. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, good. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I'm serial. I'm serial killer Dave. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and since he, you know he's been a serial entrepreneur since he was 19, and that was when he bought interest in the nightclub that he managed. Man, dude, you started that long ago, and you're how old now? Uh, Start very nice. 58. 58. Okay, we're not too much. We're not too far apart. David uh, founded the financial services company Pawn Exchange and led the company from a single startup store with annual revenues of $450,000 that grew into a powerful 44-store regional chain with annual revenues exceeding $48 million. Now, the good thing about, the interesting thing about that is as the CEO of that company, he became uh, a great uh he, he he pulled his first uh, armed robbery. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> but he did do time over it. I just forgot to I just forgot to show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wasn't there, but he got but he did time for it. Who so, does that? <laughs> yeah, who doesn't do a robbery and does time for it? That uh, sucks, you know. And I'll tell you what. No, who does, who has forty eight million and does a robbery? Yeah, well, he didn't have forty eight million. Uh, uh, but he did have some annual revenues there, and then, you know he, he doesn't doesn't seem like he really was motivated to do a robbery. But he, still, we could talk about about that. But you know, really, he spent one point three million dollars de- getting uh, a defense, and he still ended up doing four years. Is that right? Seven years of fighting. Freaking two appeals. Yeah, that's by the prosecution. Usually, you know, usually if you spend $1.3 million, you can buy innocence, you know. How much did OJ spend? Yeah. So whether you were innocent or not, you spend one point three. man, that's, that is crazy. And then still did time. I would have did 20. Yeah, you would have done 40. I would have done, yeah, I would have yeah. done my 20 for my 1.3. Yeah. yeah. 1.4. David founded uh, Pop Gourmet Foods in 2011, and under his leadership, now he he founded. Did you found that while you were in prison, or what? I wrote the business plan while I was in prison, based yeah. on a popcorn concoction that the uh, my fellow patrons uh, made up. Right Called on. it the Big House Plan. Yep. Big House, and I, I know I ate some of that stuff back in the day, and I see I see versions of it around still. When I go to Costco and stuff. It's still it's still like a. Uh, uh, you know, like a descendant of your your work, right? Yeah. That you see in the stores. So you know that's yeah. an important an important point right there, Dave. Is that David was able to use what he had at the moment in order to create yes. a future business. Oh, so yeah. 
Well, also, that's typical know. convict in, uh, ingenuity, isn't that's it? That's right. There was another popcorn maybe person. A little, maybe a little better than typical, because most guys aren't able to do anything like that. Uh, but guys do crazy stuff, and they're really cool stuff sometimes with what they got. Well, anyway, under his, le- under his leadership, uh, he formed numerous strategic partnerships with not only established food brands, but has successfully launched POP, P-O-P, exclamation point, POP, Gourmet's products at internationally recognized retailers, including Costco, Kroger's, Starbucks, and Walmart. And that's the extent of his bio at this point that I have. Wow. Uh, that's a, quite a bio. But there's though. a lot more to his bio. There so is. we're going to uh, open up, unless Mark has something to say. We're going to open up, uh, and Mark never has anything to say. Nothing. So uh, basking in the. Let's start by. Let's, let's start by a quick catch up of how you got there and you know where you've been, and then let's talk about the great stuff you're up to now, David. Well, uh, shall we start? Look, I mean, I think for me, this whole journey started while uh, I was in prison. Uh, And, you know, I realized that uh, some of the people that I thought I would never want to associate with or had any brains or just a typical perception that you see, you know, how inmates or or people in prison are portrayed on TV. You just you go in with a certain tainted view, right, Uh, that these guys are just morons and. You know, it ends up that I met some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life, um, and I learned a, a good life lesson. And it made, actually, you know what, at the end of the day, um, it made me a better entrepreneur and a better, and a better business person. So, you know, it was a good, I wouldn't change anything. I mean, you know, I really, I mean it was no fun, but I wouldn't change one darn thing because it, it made, like I said, besides, besides what it did for me as a, as a business person, it made me a better human being at the end of the day. Absolutely. Um, we we learned, boy, the, the greatest things that I learned were about myself um, and how I was better than I thought I was. You, you talk about how you saw, you thought these guys were knuckleheads and to the core and that's all they had going on, right? Uh, that's what I thought of myself. <laughs> um, I think a little bit different of myself now and I... I've even come to think of Lad as a little bit different than that. Is that true? That's yeah. the first time you've ever admitted that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lad is a little <laughs> bit different. That's He's sure. a little bit different. We got that part right. Thank you, Alan. Um, so anyway, back to you. You're finding some great stuff out in prison about people, about yourself, I'm sure, and about business. Yep. yep. Even business. Well, yeah. and about the system. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I just learned a ton, which really, besides... Besides giving me the drive to really come out and, and after the battle I went through to come out and be successful, uh, it gave me the drive to change other people's perspectives and create opportunities for these guys because, as you all know, uh, there's a lot of hurdles that are put in front of us when we come home. Uh, and some some are, are big, which are you expect, and they're easy to deal with, and then there are the small, stupid ones that can really screw you up and throw you off track and throw a lot of guys off track and then they end up in a tailspin and back in back in prison again because you yeah. know you just throw in the town well people I mean, have they to, want to do the right they have to learn to be resilient um and with with the situation with the circumstances that they have to deal with no matter what you're going to have to be resilient so 
Um, you know, the obstacles that are put in front of you might be even, you know, the, the lesser of the, the obstacles because you we tend to put the biggest obstacles up ourselves um, over time. You know, they tell us, we tell ourselves, I'm curious, um, when you went down, when you when you were sentenced and you went did your time, were you bitter at that time or had you learned to, already learned to um, look at things differently? I was, you know what, I was, I was only angry at a, at a couple people. I mean, I was, I was, it didn't, you know, of, since I was charged, three years of a, of a uh, prosecutorial appeal of a witness before we even went to trial. So that put us on hold for three years. And then I went to trial and then I was convicted. And then those verdicts were overturned uh, by the judge. And then there was another appeal, so another three years. And, uh, you know, it just, yeah, I felt like I was getting pelted and, you know, I, I had to walk around with this, this cloud over me. I really couldn't, I couldn't live life. I couldn't, you I know, mean, I was just stuck in this conundrum of what's going to happen. So at the end of the day, when I decided to move forward, I accepted everything and, um, just go to prison. But I, yeah, I was very, very bitter with the prosecutor and I was there with, uh, a childhood friend who, who knew the entire truth and wouldn't wouldn't come forward because he was concerned about his own well-being. So wow. other than that, you know, I just accepted it and I took it on the chin and said I was going to make the best of it. And like I said, I was really determined to show those people that they weren't going to keep me down and I was going to be successful one way or another. So fortunately, uh, in my last six months, I saw these guys making that popcorn and an idea popped up. <laughs> right. Now, that was how long into your sentence? Oh, gosh, it was in the last six months of my time. Oh. You know, I mean, when I, and it's funny, you know, Dave and guys, Mark, when I go back to, to give, do these entrepreneur classes at my, where I used to serve, the sergeant in my uh, unit says that I owe him big time. Uh, he should be in for some royalties because that's where they made the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that ain't going to happen. Everybody wants a piece of it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want some popcorn. If he, if he, you know, if he created the popcorn, would you get a piece? So that's how it works, right? Um, so you know the things. Oh, anyway. Things had to kind of fall into place right there. You know, when you were in prison at that particular prison, you know, I, I know a lot of prisons don't have a microwave to pop popcorn or whatever. So you know, there's yeah, a few did you, things. Did you have to pop the popcorn, or did you use popcorn that was already popped? No, they were popping it. I didn't make it, guys. I mean, I just, uh, some other guys were making it. I, try, I tried it, and uh, oh, that's right. it just hit me that it was a business. Yeah. yeah. What did it taste like? What? But they, uh, were, they were putting M&Ms okay. and what, what all kinds of Peanut stuff. Peanut butter, there. caramel. Yeah. Yeah, cinnamon toast crunch. It was mm. awesome, man. I mean, it was, I, that's, those what the investors actually, uh, no pun intended, been into the really that got them connected with my company is because it was such a an amazing product. <laughs> so you were just there recognizing a great product and you had the business uh, acumen to go with that. So um, anyway, so that, that was like your first deal. I mean, you took that to the streets and you, cause you had a business plan and you got investors. Yep. That's amazing. Good. It's amazing you were able yeah. to get investors coming out of prison. So that had to be an excellent business plan with a great product. Here's, I mean, let's let's be honest here. I mean, I, the business plan was enough for me to to launch it and get a couple of guys that I knew to help me. 
Uh, I mean, I put a lot of it on credit cards. So, but you know, four months into it, we created a white truffle popcorn that my wife my wife suggested, and uh, we heard that Oprah liked white truffle, and I sent it to them, and she she ran with it and put us in her magazine and started endorsing us and calling retailers. Wow. So that's once she that's propelled huge. us into the spotlight, uh, people started calling me to invest. Oh yeah, well shoot, you got. Oprah on your side, you you know. <laughs> that's not fair. For more than that, that's not fair, David. People, people are always. Yeah, that's amazing. So then it was like, okay, I, I'm guessing that it, that could actually create a problem of <clears throat> scarcity, uh, inability to produce uh, such a high demand. Yeah, we we did. I mean, we went backwards doing it, but we went from basically from four employees to about 30 employees within a month. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I mean, we went from a small facility to a little bit bigger facility to another larger facility to finally <coughs> a huge facility. Uh, and, you know, we were doing extremely well, but it was a huge learning curve. I mean, as you did, you've been down that path. I mean, oh, yeah. when your your product picks up momentum and you have to scale and uh, it's challenging, but you know we made it through. I mean, I guess that's where something I learned in prison is that a lot of the issues that we deal with, you know, okay, no big deal, we'll get it done. Versus, right. you know, run and hide or stressed out about it because you know what you deal with. You learn to deal with so many problems when you're incarcerated. That yeah. again, some of these small life things, you know, just like okay, no big it's deal. Like, deal even, with it. even if this business fails, it's more really. Even if this thing fails completely, you know, well, I, okay, you live under a bridge, it's still, you know, I can start there. <laughs> that was my mindset. I was like completely like, I'm out. I'm out of prison and I'm going to stay out. And I'm having, you know, uh, I was having a blast. And whether I was successful financially or not wasn't really what it was about for me. And, you know, Dave, on that note, you know what we got to do? Yeah. yeah. We got to thank some of our sponsors. So we'll be right back. Thanks, lad. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startupradio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. All right. So, as we were we were talking about the challenges that you're going through there um, in the first several months, especially after Oprah started paying attention. Yep. And so, okay, what what was the? Um, we we going to quickly move through this. Uh, we've talked yep. about it before. Anybody that really wants more details can also go back to um, podcast number eleven, which is on your podcast app, and listen to David's story. But as we were, go ahead and, uh, and and catch us up. Well, look, I mean, like I said, while I was incarcerated, I realized like a lot of the guys that I had spent time with and, and were introduced to and, and saw within the, the prisons, I mean, there were some really smart guys that just couldn't get a break. So at POP, as we scaled, I started hiring people right away that were coming through the system and reentering society and really built the company. Uh, hiring a lot of guys that were transitioning, maybe like, you know, I, I mean, I probably hired 150 guys and some, it was just to help them get through work release and others stayed on and became executives in the company. And it became a mission of, of mine uh, to really help people get their lives on track and give them an opportunity if they wanted it. 
come out and have a good life and be a member of society and and you know and get 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 things on track for where they want it to be. So well, it sounds uh, that sounds familiar, and it's a good business model. And the reason there's several reasons, and you've mentioned those before, but one of those one of the great reasons is that people who are grateful, who are you know actually just have been in the wrong place at the wrong time in a sense, and now they have an opportunity to to help a cause well they can be amazing and uh that's that's the first thing that happens if for a business you can really benefit right 100 percent. and you know i learned that and i passed it along to others i mean i got involved with the the doc and uh to help them push to drive employers to encourage to hire people there transitioning um we started forming coalitions from the re-entry side i mean it was really became that's why uh not for what I was doing there, but to get others to be more inclusive in hiring people and giving them opportunities. I mean, they are. They're the most loyal. I mean, they're extremely talented. Um, they just have to have a platform to where they're able to, you know, we let them be a part of what we do. And, I mean, I got to tell you guys, I mean, I hired, and Dave, you probably had the same. I hired a lot of people. And it was really at different levels, at a very high level. And guys that I hired that came from the joint were the most committed and, and probably the most uh, intelligent at the end of the day and resilient because they they didn't get turned off by these small things. It was like, you know, no problem, we'll figure it out, and we'll figure well, it out together. So There's another dynamic at play there where you have um, guys that nobody else will hire because they're felons. And, you know, there's a lot of really great people that you get to choose from. You know, um, so eventually, I think I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people. There, it's not as hard right now in this particular market to get a job. Uh, but one of the one of the things that I'm really behind now is uh, people learning the trades to become uh, successful. Um, coming from because I mean it's a it's a fairly quick route to having a good paying job. Um, but there I am digressing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, just like constructing hope. Yeah, I'm constructing hope. I was going to get into that, but right now is not not the time. We're going to continue with David. <laughs> you know, David, I, I got getting a, off track. I got a question for David. Yeah. You know, earlier, David, you mentioned that you go back into the prisons um, and you speak to the guys in there. Um, you know, entrepreneurially. Um, what are the things that you, you say to those guys, you know, to kind of get them, you know, ready to do what you're doing or, you know, something doesn't have to be as big as what you're doing, but just something like what you're doing and what David's done. What, what do you say to those guys in there? Well, first, they can't be their own worst enemy, right? Uh, I mean, and no doesn't mean anything. So you, you decide what your life is going to be and you can do whatever you want if you're committed and you're determined and you have the drive to, to get it done. So, and forget, passion is important, but also you take the time to figure out what you want to do and put a plan in place to do it. So you can have a great idea. You can have the greatest idea in the world, and it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're in prison or you're out here with a PhD. If you don't have the drive and the passion and the resilience to do it, you're not going to make it happen. So it's just really my goal is let these guys know that it wasn't easy for me. 
it really wasn't. It might have been harder because, you know, I was in the media for all this stuff that was going on. I mean, I stuck out like a sore thumb. There was nobody giving me a chance. I had to do it myself. So if I could do it, anybody could do it. Yeah. You know? I mean, I didn't... Well, uh, and I mean, uh, because a lot of people would... I think that's why I brought up that question before. A lot of people have been pretty bitter after what happened to you. Um, and that's a terrible way to start. You got to get over your bitterness. Yep. Um, and that means that's like a transformation in itself. And now, these guys are so creative. I mean, you know that. We all, yeah. Well, we all know that. We see what these guys, a lot, I mean, I wasn't that creative. I just, it blew me away some of the things these guys did there. I mean, yeah. whether Mark, it was food or, or art or whatever, it's like, wow. You know, how'd they figure that out? I think, Mark, uh, you you honed your craft in prison, didn't you? Yes. Uh, my last little set, though, I was going to do a skateboard company, and I just did the business plan, all this stuff in my head. And the, but when I got out, the tattoo thing was so popular, so I just kind of shifted gears. But um, yeah. It all comes from just being an artist to begin He's with. an artist, and it has some entrepreneurial uh, spirit. And you got to have to have that to yeah. own a shop. It's, um, it's insane. Yeah. And uh, you, <laughs> I hear about your struggles, man. I'll tell you what. You have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> we can people, sit down and talk. It's all you, about people. You got I think we were. I think uh, in our last wow. talk, our last episode that we talked to you in episode eleven, David, uh, we discussed people. We and somebody, yeah. you, you said somebody advised you. Somebody really important advised you. One. Two two word uh, statement, and that is people suck. Suck, <laughs> <Not> right? <laughs> <laughs> but as as they suck, as as that goes, so they also do, you know are amazing. Can be amazing. That's so true. Yeah. Well, uh, again, I'll tell you the guys that I've hired from uh, within, coming from the prison system, have been much more amazing than the, the, the folks that. I hired that high-skilled guys coming as executives. Uh, you know, just the egos and uh, the arrogance and the lack of wanting to dive in and roll up your sleeves and, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. They, they're, they're tough, man. You know, uh, I mean, especially in a, the judgment. You know, in a young company. Oh, God, exactly. Yeah. That they're Better smarter than, than you. Sanctimonious, I mean, yeah, right. hypocritical, all those things. Yeah, and if there's ever a problem, they run for the hills, right? Where yeah. rather than dig in and figure it out together, uh, yeah. So people, people are the are the toughest part uh, in life, actually, yeah. not just business. I mean, it's just it is what it is. And you, I think, if you're, again, another lesson that we all learned while we're incarcerated is how to deal with all kinds of different people, right? Yeah. I mean, I, well, and be accepting. If you can learn to, problems. if you can learn to deal with the worst of the corrections officers. That is a great. That is a great uh, skill. If you can just go, okay, and take your take your hand and brush brush them off your shoulder. I call it Rainex. I just spray Rainex on yeah. me. It bounces right off. Yeah, yeah. I agree. That's that'll work too. Good, I dump Rainex on you lately a lot. <laughs> so um, okay, so eventually you got what you got to what forty eight million or is, am I looking at the right? No, no, that was that. That, that was, was at, uh, that was Pot Exchange. So at uh, Pop Made, we got to close to about eleven million in revenues, which mm -hmm. was, I mean, it was fast for us in a four-year period. Right. Um, and I but, imagine uh, the, uh, I'm guessing, I'm just guessing, I may be wrong, that the margin, profit margin, that was slim to none, uh, especially at early stages. 
Yeah, you're you're basically just you're paying for velocity and growth. Yes. I mean, it's you're all investing. about building the brand. Yep, absolutely, getting on the shelf. So your your margins, your gross margins are great, but when you when you factor in trade spend, marketing, uh, you know, all the things that you need to do to get on the shelf and off the shelf, yeah. there's a lot and the growth. I mean, that's where it all is. So you're not making money. Uh, you're building a brand and creating the velocity to to really to own those to own that category. Yeah, so people ask, well, why, why are you still working so hard? Uh, you should be like a multi-multi-millionaire, right? But it's yeah. you have it's hard to get to that point. Um, Extremely challenging. Yeah, and so what happened next? Well, you know, I, I mean, we raised a ton of capital, brought on a, a great, what I thought was a great leadership team uh, to, to help me continue to build and and. A, small private equity firm and you know what it just things got ugly and uh everybody was smarter than me all of a sudden uh everything that i all my relationships everything that i did that got us to where we were uh you know was not the was not the cat's meow so to speak so they wanted to drive margins create profits so i it was very deceitful so i resigned uh and so far uh, it's been two and a half years. They've been through three CEOs. The sales have gone from 11 million down to two and a half million, and they're a lot smarter than I am. So, yeah. uh, well, you still own you part, know, of the, part of the company, right? Uh, well, I sure do. And yeah. I've tried to help them, but the new CEOs are too smart, so they yeah. don't need my help. Well, boy, that just—I hate to say it, but that sounds familiar. Um, yeah, <clears throat> happens. Yeah. Happens, man. You yeah. know, but it launched me into a much better place. Great. So, so that's bitter. where you're at now. I'm not bitter. I want to send a thank you note. So let's talk about that about that last couple of years that you've been. What you've been up to? So uh, you know, about for the first six months or so, we're just uh, going in circles, trying to figure out where I was going to focus my time and what we were going to do. And I mean, of course, I took the Hoi Fung Sriracha products with me, so that was still an ongoing project. But that doesn't take a lot. I'm. It's those things just kind of run by itself. It's very simple and I licensed companies, but I was looking for where I could be innovative and apply my skills and use the relationships that I built. And my first employee left with me, so he came and was by my side. And uh, We stumbled into the, at, at the time, uh, a year and a half ago, the vegan cheese category, and uh, just heard that the products weren't very good and could use some innovation. So yep. uh, we, we dove in, uh, we found what we thought would be a great formula. We found a great partner to help us manufacture. So you found a co-manufacturer? We sure do. Essentially, well, you guys... Started out as a co-manufacturer. You've never really been the guy that gets down and gets his, gets into the manufacturing part. You're more like a... You arrange all that, right? No, at Pop, we, I started it from scratch, man, and we build our own production facility. So I did everything from the ground up, did the recipes, all the R&D, everything. Okay. Uh, that was... That was a tough lesson. I mean, you know, that's a, again, it's a very expensive to build facilities. And uh, that was one of our biggest hurdles was having people run the facility the way you need to have the And looking quality. back, looking back, you would have probably, I'm sorry to interrupt, but. Um, no, please do. I'm looking, I'm thinking forward to, 
you probably look look back now and wish you had just figured out a way to co-man it from the beginning, right? Absolutely. 100%, man. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and to make that clear, what I'm talking about is co-manufacturing. Rather than, uh, you know, <laughs> building facilities, buying equipment, all that stuff, you pay a, uh, somebody else to make the product. And... That could be expensive, but it's a great way. It's it's probably the only way for some people to get started and compete. Yeah, you know, but if you if you well, a lot of companies that have like RX Bar or uh, Bantam Bagel. I mean, there's a lot of great brands that all that use co-manufacturers, right? Uh, so it's just it's having the right partner. It's understanding you know your margins and making sure that you know you you can build off that and not have to go and build your own facility. Because um, you're gonna have to take so a, a low margin, right? Be, you have to start with a very, less money. Yeah, but but as far as the product itself is, you're, you're dealing with a lot less margin because you're paying somebody else to do it. But uh, you build that into it, and yep. and then of course you have to have a product that competes uh, in a niche sort of market somehow that someone else isn't going to immediately just come in with all their power, all their and bully you right out of the market. Yeah, well, that happens in every hot category, right? Everybody yeah. loves to jump in. So uh, the big guys, well, the little took, guys. It I mean, took them years. You know, they wanted, they, it took it took the, our competitors years to do it because they had to do so many things to make it work. Um, mm-hmm. There was a lot of moving parts to it. So fortunately, we were able, we were able to build some strength, some power um, before they were able to take, because they could have taken us out earlier if they could have reproduced our product. Yeah, you know what, Dave? I mean, you own that category, man, and your brand uh, stood out and connected. Uh, I mean, there's some products out there. I don't even think people really pay attention to them. I mean, it's uh, it's Dave's killer bread everywhere yeah. I go. Well, they even uh, a lot of people think that that even the 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 knockoffs are Dave's killer bread. They don't know the difference. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot of knockoffs out there, but you know the popcorn uh, category. Sure popcorn category is yeah. a little different. I think you were you pointed it out yourself. That last time that you um, you don't own the ingredients, you know what I mean. You don't. It's yep. it's fairly straightforward if you have just a list of ingredients that people can knock off your product. But there's so much more that goes into it. Yeah, there is. But for regional guys, I mean, every market, I and mean, you have it in Portland, I and mean, you have it everywhere. You go to any region, there's some local guy selling his popcorn. Or two or three, absolutely. You know, in the airport, on in the grocery farmers stores, markets, yeah, everywhere. It's a very, you know, I don't know. It's it's not a not a lot of barriers to entry in that. It's category. not as hard to get into. That's right. No, this fortunately in mine, this is our current category. It's very challenging. Oh, so there's a lot of competition in the vegan cheese. No, it's very well. Not in our category. I mean, there's, it's a very challenging category, a very challenging product. To oh, to create and make, yeah. <laughs> sure. I mean, you can create a cruddy one. I mean, anybody can make cardboard. I see what you uh, mean. So, you so you're, you're in the Dave's Killer... You, you got the Dave's Killer bread problems now. There we go. Yeah. The, where, where it's, you know, you got a unique product. You got to have a unique product, and you not easy for someone just to go uh, reverse engineer and get busy. No. I mean, because the ingredients aren't the ingredients. I mean, it's a formulization. It's certain ingredients, you know. So <laughs> big barriers to entry. That's why we have a lot of large companies coming to us. But uh, great. No, thank goodness. Now we got to focus on executing. 
Oh, that's fantastic. I, you know, okay, so we'll get back to that. I think we have one more um, commercial break, and then I want to get back to where you're at with that now. Awesome. Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future future of your business. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you easily control just how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com slash startup radio to sign up or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you and you get a $150 credit. Yay. So, uh, you know what? Isn't that weird? Your nickname has always been Startup Ruby. And we got an advertiser had Startup Ruby. That's a pretty weird nickname for me. Yeah, well, you got a couple. One of them is Startup Ruby, the other one is Vegan Cheese. And it's weird that we're talking to Dave. We have to be talking about (laughs) Vegan Cheese now. (laughs) In fact, now that brings us, thank you for bringing us back. Thanks. Um, What we want to do here is find out, because. Essentially, when we talked to you last time, we left off with the fact that in a few weeks you were going to be in the streets with your product. It wasn't just um, food service. Let's go from there. Yeah, so, well, we, we launched in food service because it was the fastest way to get into the marketplace. Uh, not as many hurdles. We hadn't had packaging. So uh, it took off in the food service last, basically last May and June. And we just started going bazonkers. Uh, we launched retail in December and started getting picked up by all the majors. And let me tell you why. I mean, you know, we started out as a company very, as a very short time as a vegan cheese company. And all of a sudden, this plant-based rampage kind of just went berserk. So, you know, nobody says vegan. We're all preaching plant-based because it, a pro- that it kind of a appeals to a broader yeah, customer base. Begins a narrow-sounding audience, yeah. Well, that and it, it it stops certain people from wanting to eat you, right? Yeah. I mean, they don't want to try it. They're like, I'm not vegan. I don't need to eat it. Yeah. Plant-based, I mean, you look at Beyond Meats and Impossible Burger and all these other great companies out there that are just going through the roof. Mm-hmm. It's because they've all categorized themselves as plant-based. And I think we were all vegan. At, at and the, the, it the, also has to be just exceptional product. It sure does. Yeah. So... You know, now we're, I mean, literally, we're, we're inking deals with Nestle. We're, we're in most of the majors throughout the country. We have products throughout Whole Foods. We're Wegmans, Bristol Farms. We're going into Safeway Albertsons. Uh, I mean, it's, we've only been launched our retail for about five months now. So, Where would I find it, really uh, for my own purposes and for those uh, listening, where would I find it right now? In the Portland area. Uh, in the Portland area, so per, think, per se. It should be in Green Zebra. Uh, oh, yeah. It's going in. Yeah, uh, Zupans, I believe it's going mm. into. 
Um, a handful of other places there, but you will be in the Safeway Albertsons, the Northwest region. Uh, Whole Foods is bringing us into the Northwest region. You're not um, in the Whole Foods yet, right? Not uh, in this not in this region. We are in the Southern California region. I see. So, I'll, yeah, go, I'll stop uh, by Green Zebra. Is it there now? Or? It should be there now. Okay. Yep. If not, we'll get it to you. But it's 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 there. Definitely, it's there to be to be there soon. If it's not there already, but I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. So, David, can can we go back just a little bit? You know, we you know we hear you talking about creating uh, a vegan cheese. What was what was wrong or what was lacking in the cheese before that made you want to do this? Well, it, it was brought first. I'm not going to take credit for it. It was a family member that was saying that this category just stinks, and there's a lot of consumers looking for a better product. And it was really came down to just how an alternative to real cheese that that melted, that had a good flavor profile, had a good texture that really replicated cheese. And it wasn't about our consumers not looking at cheese kind of tit for tat. They don't, they're not, they're not wanting, it doesn't have to replicate the protein that cheese has. They really want it. Yeah. Yeah. They really want it to replicate the the flavor and the meltability. So we've really done an amazing job creating something that melts and that, that is a great alternative to everyday cheese that, a lot of times in our booths, guys, we, we serve pizzas in our booths, and guys, guys are, you know, the, the buyers from these the shows are saying, well, what's the name of your pizza? I said, we're not selling pizza. We're just, we have our cheese, our, our plant-based cheese on the on the pizza. They're like, oh, my God, I thought that was real cheese. Yeah, I remember you so, said, you said, uh, hey, look, uh, the, the, the buyer at the place you went before trying to sell your cheese, he goes, man, that's some great bread. What, what kind of bread is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, by mistake, but we still we still partner with Dave Killer Brad at all the shows. So. Good move. Yeah, that's yes, a sir. good move. You know, Dave, Dave, you were thinking about at one time uh, making a uh, a pizza dough, yeah. that, and this would have oh, been I'm a perfect thing it, on top of your dough. You know, I want to do it for fun anyway. But um, what yeah. about cheese bread? Cheese bread. Yeah. Well, that's what pizza is. But <laughs> anyway, with no meat. Go ahead, Dave. All right. So I mean. So we've, we've kind of found the right formulization. We've made some modifications over the past year to help it become, <clears throat> so it melt across all applications better, <clears throat> increase the flavor, clean up the ingredient deck. So we have the shortest ingredient deck in the category. We're allergen-free. So for food service, for industrial, for retailers, we're a safest product out there as far as anybody can buy it, right? They can use it in schools. They can use it at... Um, in food service, we're doing the White Castle, um, the, the Impossible Burger. Yep, they're using our cheddar there. Wow, so. great. Wow. Yep. And they're so using just, Impossible Burger for the burger. They are. And so we're partnering a lot in different categories. It, it's just, this has blown me away. I mean, it has dwarfed what I did at Popcorn Dude, Man. Dude, I think it's got um, amazing potential. I've been, I've been watching, um, not watching closely, but... Uh, and uh, peripherally, at least, looking at Beyond Meat and things like that, and going, "Oh my God, this is going to be so big!" Um, and if you're part of that that market, you know, yep. you're going to kick ass. Well, we're growing rapidly. It's all. I mean, we have opportunity, you know, kind of overflowing right now. It really just comes down to execution. Fortunately, production. We're all set. We partner with some great partners here in the U.S. on a large scale uh, as well. So. It just comes down to execution and building the right team. Um, and we'll be able to capture the majority of this 
plant-based cheese category, which is about $300 billion today and expected to grow to $3.9 billion by 2023. So oh, yeah. some real enormous growth potential. You're finally going to uh, hit. You're going to hit. You're, you're, you're going to get your potential here. Hey, uh, well, we feel so. I wanted to ask you, um, do I, what do you have for a website? Do you have a website on this yet? Or? Oh, absolutely. I've had it for a while. So it's uh, goodplanetfoods.com. Okay. So I'm going to look that up, and Lad has a question. You know, yeah. you know, David, we were, you're talking about your team. And, you know, earlier you talked about uh, some of the guys that have uh, come out of prison and gone to work for you. But before we got on air today, we were talking to you about one of your sales guys who was, uh, was formerly incarcerated and how well he's doing. Can you, give, can you tell us a little bit about that? I can. And I just want to give you just a short little backstory on this. My goal at Popcorn A was to generate jobs and give people opportunities that were reentering society. Here, a little different model. It really wasn't part of my plan, but I was going into Monroe, uh, well, yeah, Washington State Penitentiary here yeah. in Monroe, and uh, giving these entrepreneurial, you know, lectures. And I met this guy, and his name is Spencer Ober, who had been incarcerated for seven years, and just a real sharp guy. And he started attending all these classes I was coming to put on. And he actually he started another program together called Harness Your Hustle, and brought me and other CEOs in there, not just guys that were formerly incarcerated, to come in and, uh, and do things. And when he came home, he asked me for a job, and I was like, well. I don't really have anything for you while you're in work release. Um, but he convinced me that I gave him an opportunity a year and a half ago. And I don't know, I would say in probably two or three months, he was outperforming the three people that I had working for me. Uh, just, uh, he just got it right. And he was smart and he was figuring stuff out. And again, he was looking for opportunities. So he's very driven. Um, Spencer, basically runs my company. I mean, he allows me to do what I need to do to build and create relationships and focus on the growth. And I have never seen anybody in my entire career that gets everything, that does things before they're supposed to be done, better than they should be done, and is always looking down the pathway about what he can do next to help us be better. So what, so, what got this gentleman tripped up in the first place? How did, what, he got, oh, I this mean, is great. did he do a lot of it, time or what happened? Seven years. Yeah. Uh, I think he did, I think he did a couple years before that too. Uh, but it was just, it was perfect training for what we do here. Uh, he yeah. was counterfeiting prescriptions and now he's counterfeiting cheats. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Uh, Very good. <laughs> much better for people, much better for the planet. Uh, absolutely, yeah. So he doesn't have to feel guilty about it either. No. He is this guy. I'm telling you. I mean, I, I have never, I tell them yesterday, I, I just, every day I'm impressed. And I, I don't have to ask if he's doing something. He's doing it before I can think about it. He's in a race to win. He's in a race. He wants to get things done before I figure it out. So, um, it's just a remarkable partner. And about six months ago, we hired uh, another person that we he had known who was in this Harness Your Hustle program at Monroe. And uh, when he got to work release, and, you know, uh, he has just blown it out of the water, too. He's basically doing all of our onboarding, customer service, and sales, and just some, you know, look, they're so appreciative of the opportunity 
that they're committed beyond belief. And I, I totally know what you mean. And that's where yeah. I started. That's the way I started with Dave's Killer before Dave's Killer Bread. I started by being totally committed, totally excited, totally, totally motivated when I got out of prison with a nice, clear head. And I mean, I knew if I could do that, that there's a lot of other people that could do that too. And I see that that's what you've discovered. We have to wrap this up. And here we go. We had another great one. I hope you'll be back on the show again with us. In fact, I'd love to see you on How I Built This someday. Uh, well, thank you, guys. I'm going to be on How I Built This uh, Monday. So everybody tune into that. Um, how, can, how can they get to that, Dave? Well, eventually they can get to it. They can, probably that same day on Monday they can go to the podcast, uh, How I Built This. But if you're listening locally, uh, OPB, I'm not sure, but it'll be live on OPB. Not It'll be played on OPB on that day. Cool. So anyway, it's, it'll be available. Um, and uh, my story is it has a lot of, um, you know, has some, a lot of common commonalities with your story, David. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, really good, really good stuff. Uh, can you give us uh, some real quick uh, websites and any other information, real quick, and then we're going to wrap it up? Yeah, I mean, please, you can look at our products at uh, goodplanetfoods.com. Uh, you can find us up and down the East Coast and West Coast and a lot of your major retailers and in food service and industrial products across the nation. So we're growing. Uh, just uh, good planet foods and we're all about doing good for you and good for the planet and good for people fantastic well Dave it's been a, been a blast uh, maybe I can hope we can you know talk off the air this time somewhat so yeah, I want to talk yeah to I'll look bit. forward to it okay thanks we'll talk you guys to Dave alright you guys uh, are amazing thanks a lot all right. Join us this and every week live at 10 a.m. Pacific time at startupradionetwork.com if you don't join us live we may visit your house late at night when you're least expecting it and make you listen. <laughs> Booyah. Breaking and entering Mark's ass. Wait, what? This, this will be full-on breaking and listening. Uh, Lad, do you know who's on next week? I do not. I, I was trying to look it up, but my phone's turned off. Then tell us, tell us about our next show. Okay, well, coming up after the break is Latino Founder Hour with your host, Edgar Navis and Claudia Cardenas. Their podcast is usually in Spanish. So, que pasa con mis hermanos, her hermanos. Nice. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.